Bam, we're live. 7 a.m. on the dot. I think that's the closest we've ever gone to being perfect. Look, there's a freaking Hey, what's up? How's it going, guys? So listen, uh, I'm actually en route right now to Miami to do a photo shoot. So the, the car is a little bit noisy. I wanted to check with you on the sound quality, make sure it was okay. Or, you know, if you guys wanted to reschedule for a quieter time, but uh, I, 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 I'm I in a, a Jeep right now. <laughs> so I just wanted to know, make sure if, if you guys can hear okay or if it's too noisy. Show canceled. Yeah, okay. No, no, yeah. no. Hey, dude, I can't see you. So it sounds like you're in a rainstorm. Yeah. Can it we feels just say like, that? Can we say you got locked out of your house and you're just on your porch and it's just raining this, really hard? This is kind of the mindset I like to put myself in. It's just sitting in a dark closet while it rains on the roof. You know, just it's in my own thoughts. Wow. Great to hear your voice. I have um, I have uh, three monitors, one where I stare at my beautiful face. And then on the right and left, I can look at you whenever I want one. You're shirtless, and the other one, you're sleeveless. So I can just pretend like I'm looking at you. If we turn on the video, will you just start hiccuping? Yeah, here, I'll show you. Hold on. Uh, let me turn my camera on. Hey, yeah, baby. Up? We got a uh, little baby Zoe back here. Where is she? There she is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's and a real baby now. Yeah, oh, she's fully she's fully toddler now. She's beyond baby. She's toddler. And oh then my uh, God. Cam, Cam's behind the wheel. And we're Miss driving Cammy. for a, yeah, we're we're driving for a, a photo shoot in Miami right now, and then we're headed down to Key West uh, for vacation for the week. We're coming off of three, well, back to back to back show weekends, which is really exhausting and hard. So this vacation is long overdue. Um, how old's the baby? Eighteen months old. Uh, and so and so Zoe walks. Oh, yeah. She walks, she talks, she poops, she sings, she dances, she blows kisses, um, she smiles, she giggles. She's the best. And, uh, and when you say um, three show weekends, what do you mean? What, what, what kind of shows are you doing? Bodybuilding shows. Um, and, and, and they're particularly physically and mentally exhausting because, you know, for the show, uh, you don't really eat much you know you just kind of eating rice cakes the whole day you're very dehydrated and for me i compete in multiple categories so i do super heavyweight bodybuilding and men's physique which means that i gotta like pump up and go through posing routines four times which it might not sound like much but it shakes down to almost a thousand push-ups in one day just pumping up you know to get on stage that many times uh, do a lot of people do more than one category uh you know what it's less common, but it's so in line with like the CrossFit methodology, right? <laughs> like to be able to step into any arena and hold your own. So, it, you know, it really in bodybuilding, the categories are bodybuilding. And then everything else is kind of a scaled down version of bodybuilding. So there's classic physique where the guys are in briefs and they're a little bit smaller. There's men's physique where they're wearing board shorts and they're just painted on their upper body. Uh, the reason why I compete in multiple categories is because I really love bodybuilding and just the, you know, the, the physical display, the posing, the training, uh, the amount of, uh, you know, muscle you have to develop to be competitive at it. Um, but it, also for men's physique, it's, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where at the professional level, 
men's physique athletes really look like bodybuilders because they're just so big now. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, competing in these shows, they were very big, like national championship types of shows. So I competed in both categories because, you know, uh, one, because I really love competing in bodybuilding. And two, I competed in physique just because it, I, I have a shot of placing really well. Because you have an insane physique. Hey, hold on one second. See, see what is your Instagram? I'm going to fix your name here at the bottom. At Dave Freaking Lipson? Dave, Dave Freaking Lipson. F-R-E-A-K-I-N-G. R-A-K-I-N. Lipson. O-G. How's Dave, that? Does that? Freaking Lipson. Wait, how can I just fix that? Let's see. Uh, How's oh, what? there it is. How's that? Does that look right? There it is. That looks awesome. Um, Dave, um, how long yeah. have you, you did three bodybuilding shows in three weeks, all in Florida? Uh, all no, they were all over the country. So they, yeah, no, they, they were in Arizona. Um, there was one I did in Orlando at Orlando nationals, but you know, for the national shows, you usually travel for them. Um, the local shows, you know, there's a local show in every city, so you can usually find one anywhere, but for the nationals, it's usually like. Miami or Las Vegas or some big city where everyone flies into. And um, and Cammy's doing them also. Yeah, so uh, I, you know I compete in a lot of the men's categories. Camille, for the first time, just competed in bikini, which uh, well, for the second time actually, the first time was her first show was in October, and then she actually qualified to go to this national championship with her, you know. She won her category uh, at her show, so she qualified for nationals. Just competed with me this past weekend, but I mean, dude, she has changed so immensely uh, physically, emotionally, especially coming off of the year we had with you know being in the hospital with the baby, seeing her just come absolutely full circle. I mean, she lost like sixty pounds. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. Yeah, this picture is. Is incredible. Who took this, by the way? Uh, that was our, our 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 babysitter who was helping us watch Zoe. Because when we're both competing, somebody's got to watch the baby. So uh, we actually had like a helper that would you know take care of Zoe, and uh, so we could both kind of do our things and get stage ready. But yeah, it's in our hotel room, right? There. Right before, I think it's the night before, she's about to go on stage for prejudging the next morning. A portrait mode on the iPhone? Yeah, I mean, like, it's incredible. The iPhones are like, you can really do some impressive things with both the video and the photo now on the iPhone. Uh, I think she she does this, like, HD60 setting sometimes on video and stuff, but I think that's just a regular camera on, on the iPhone ten. Yeah, it is truly an incredible picture. Do you see that muscle that's on her um, right leg? Like right below yeah, her you, bikini? You, yeah, it's her, her hip flexor. Yes. Um, yeah. Is that what it's called? Because yesterday I was I was looking at this picture with Emily Abbott, and she told me what that muscle was called, but I forget what she said. But she said it's the longest it, muscle of the body. And I told her yeah, maybe on it, Camille's body that's the longest muscle, but it's not the longest muscle on my body. But, I mean, we're all different. No, it's not. Um, it could be. I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but there is both you like know, the hip flexor, the psoas. The so, the yes. What was the first one yeah. you said? The, the sartorius. 
and yes, it, that it, it goes from the knee and it wraps around the leg. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it really is a remarkable photo. Is it, when you look at that, I was saying that says so much about our life with like mom in the bikini with her Ugg boots and then the baby in the background pulling at her ankles and then I'm there making like oatmeal with protein powder, or, you know, in the kitchen or whatever. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's a snapshot of everything you need to know about us. Dave, I, I, I don't remember the first time I met you, but I've definitely known you since 2010, maybe earlier, maybe 2009. Um, and in 2010, I spent, um, I spent a bunch of time with you. We did that. We did that trip with Rob Orlando and, uh, Bill Grundler and Dave was Hobart on that trip. Uh, no, he wasn't on that one, but he was on another one. Like, uh, the, the, the second chapter, I think. But, and, and then, and then there was the Tahoe throwdown. Yep. Um, I, I want to bring up a, a story. Well, so there's these people that I've had on the show that I've had like these speed bumps with over the years. Um, uh, just I, nothing bad happened, but there was just miscommunication. I had Jason Kalipa on, I had Kelly Starrett on, I had Rich Froning on. And there, um, when, um, I'd like to bring up something with you that I think that you heard, I heard that you didn't like me. So I was really surprised that you would come on the air with me. And, um, and I just wanted to clear something up that you may have heard that's absolutely couldn't be further from the truth. Um, okay. <laughs> and, uh, I was told that, um, GQ and business insider and New York times was calling people and telling people that I had footage of you and Camille having sex and that I was passing it around the executives at CrossFit HQ. And I well, want to be super duper clear that I've never filmed anyone having sex. I've never seen you and Camille having sex and that all the only um, talk I've ever heard about you guys having sex was uh, the fact that you have a baby. Um, I, I could make some presuppositions and that you guys hooked up in 2010 at, um, at that at the house that I never even went in. At, or, or if I did go in it, I never saw you and Camille there at the again faster house. So I just wanted to clear that up with you. So you know that I there's. That was pure fishing expedition on those scumbags' part. There's yeah. no truth to that. I I think that most of what I heard from them had uh, uh, to do with Greg Glassman. Uh, okay. Yeah, and 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 uh, stories that were kind of floating around about him and other women and activities and some of his buddies like uh, Jim Jordan. Um, we, you know, it was. It, I think. It's an interesting time that we're living in where people are getting exposed for their indiscretions and these, you know, systems, companies and uh, cultures are, you know, under the limelight with social media where people are actually, you know, you can't, you know, you, know, you can't really hide stuff anymore. <laughs> so right. I think most of the conversation was about Greg, not necessarily uh you know, who, who he was tasking to perform this, that, or the other thing. And uh, it sounded to me like he had his hands full, if you know what I mean. Well, I, okay. I, I don't, I, I spent a lot of time with them. I didn't see any of that, but I do know, I just wanted to clear that up. If you heard that, that there. Oh was, yeah. Um, I, I had heard, I had heard lots of stuff. Um, okay. You know, and, and I think, 
And I never uh, even I talked to those people and they never called me and I never had a chance to say anything. I just wanted you to know that I never said anything to them about you or Cammy. And I have. Uh oh, you froze. And, and, and that oh, I have no and that nothing like that is even remotely true, nor did I spread yeah. that rumor or anything. Listen, I, I it, it's kind of hard to know now, like I said, with uh, all the social media and ability for people to communicate and, you know, really this kind of tribal thinking where people get on a bandwagon and, you know, they're either Camp Greg or Camp whoever, you know. Right, um, right. The, usually the truth comes out, you know, like I, I, I and, and that's why when we were, you know, hearing all kinds of stories about CrossFit and Greg and HQ, you know, my position has always been that, like, well, if there's something there, someone's going to find it and there'll be a price to pay. And that's right. it, you know. Right. Yeah. They they ended up not pu- all three of the organizations ended up not um publishing the um the articles. So Yeah, that's interesting. It- like, you know, I, I, I don't know where all that stuff kind of came from initially. I think it was right around the time that there was some sizzle going on and people were getting riled up over one thing or another. And uh it was a perfect opportunity to maybe uh you know roast the next guy. I, I I will. This is something that I haven't really shared, and, and maybe Greg will eventually come on the podcast, and I'll tell you about it. But there was talk. You, I, you knew we were in a CrossFit Inc. was in a lawsuit with the NSCA, right? Um, Did you, you know, know that? I have known that for about ten years. I, okay. I can't remember a time when they weren't in some kind of lawsuit with the NSCA. Um, right. You know, I, I I don't know. I don't know really what the lawsuits exactly accomplish <laughs> you know like it, it, it seems it seems to me like anything else um, there was a point where they were offering there was talk of them offering a 50 million dollar settlement there was there was gr- rumblings of that occurring and basically greg said fuck you i don't want any money from you I um, there's no amount of cancer I will allow in the industry for any amount of money. When you have cancer, you have to cut it out and throw it away and hope it never comes back. And what was interesting, and I'll leave it at this, and then maybe we can. Um, at some point, the penalty it becomes cheaper to buy CrossFit than pay the penalty. And so I'll leave that as the sort of um, a pretty strong hypothesis of what we saw occur. Yeah, you know, I think that like, makes sense to you. The universe has a way, karma, it all has a way of, of working yes. itself out. You know, everyone usually gets what they deserve. Yes. Uh, and, I and, agree. And, and so like, you know, and I you know, I, I don't think like the, the whole the whole thing about the NSCA and CrossFit and whatever false claims about injuries or this and that, the God's honest truth is, you know, if, if it's if CrossFit is destined to succeed, then it will. And yeah. if it, if it, if CrossFit is inherently dangerous and people will see that, and it doesn't matter what, you know, what kind of semantics one organization is debating because time tells the truth. And I think what we're kind of seeing now is for all the claims people have made good or bad about CrossFit, I think the, the real results on is, is on where the company's at and, how it's growing. And, and I, I think the writing is on the wall. You know, I think it's had a, 
big impact on the fitness industry. It made a big, big waves. And now we're kind of dealing with the aftershocks and things are kind of settling down or slowing down um, into what I think the future holds for fitness, which is understanding that, you know, CrossFit is great. It has a context. It's definitely not a cure-all for everything, but it certainly can help a lot of people as well as a lot of other training methodologies. Um, but, you know, I think we're kind of past that point of trying to posture and, and argue because results are king and you can't fake results. So, you know, if, if the program's dangerous, we're going to see lots of injured athletes. And if it works real well, we're going to continue to see this kind of exponential growth. And I think it, it is, you know, it's never as good or as bad as you think it is, you know? I think it's, yes. just, it's, it's just fine. It's fine. It's like any other decent fitness program where, you know, there's lots of different ways to train. Uh, and within specific contexts, you can use CrossFit as a really valuable tool. But, you know, to, to be able to sit there and say, on one end, you know, if you do CrossFit, you're destined for a catastrophic injury. That might not be 100% true, but neither is Only it. Only 98% say, true. Yeah, Only 98% exactly, exactly, exactly. And uh, and then likewise, if you were to if you were to say, you know, you know, if you if you do CrossFit, you're not gonna you're not gonna you know have any issues. That's not quite true either. It's as dangerous as anything else, I and uh, you know that's that's just the reality of it. And there's no reason to have to contrive data or to get defensive about the risk of the program, because like any drug, you know, the more potent it is, the more risky it is. And that's just the reality of it. Or any relationship. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> hey, Dave. So, um, the, you, a year ago, you did a video with the buttery bros over zoom. Uh, and I, wa- I watched that last night. Okay. And I don't know if it's a testament to how crazy talented Heber and Mars are, or how good and captivating you are. But that is like the first 18 minutes of that show is you and them and Cammy working out. And I cannot believe how well that turned out. Did you ever go back and watch that after you filmed that? No, I, I really, I really didn't. And I think this was probably at a time when we were both living at the hospital too. So, you know, we had a, like a rental house across the street from the hospital because we were in there with our daughter and they called up that they were in town and said, Hey, you want to do a workout? And I mean, any opportunity to get out of that hospital and go train in the gym, especially with those guys, you know, we jumped at it. So it was a really nice break for me to be able to just get out of that environment and have some fun slinging iron with the bros in the gym. Oh, um, this is the one you guys did over Zoom, though. It was mostly uh, like they you were in a garage uh, with you were separate. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. We did like an arm pump workout. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I can't believe how good it was. I'm like, holy cow. Heber and Mars and Lipson made an 18 minute Zoom call into something yeah. that was totally yeah. palatable and watchable. Yeah. Well, that was just like I put them through one of our hypertrophy finishers and all of these like little workouts we do, these finisher workouts, they're all pretty short. So you can do it over Zoom and really thrash someone with like a lightweight or whatever. But uh, that's exactly what it's supposed to be like, is like working hard, having fun, bringing thunder and getting your pump on. Uh, it, it was a very authentic. I remember that it was like it was during quarantine. So we were doing all these Zoom classes and stuff. And uh, it was just an authentic little bro sesh with the guys pumping their guns in the gym. One of the things that you assigned to them was to do um, bench press with a weight that they could do 150 reps in five minutes. 
And so as I was watching you guys do that, I was in my garage and I had just been on the assault bike for 15 minutes. So I, I, I laid on the ground on one of those, like, um, you know, those uh, uh, steppers where you can stack plastic steps underneath it. Yeah, like a Reebok step. Yeah, I laid one of those on the ground with no plastic underneath it. So I was just like four inches off the ground and I took two 20 pound dumbbells. Yep. And I did a set of 25 and then I was toast. And so I did my next set of 25 with no weight, just like this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I still only made it to 125. Like I alternated 25 with the 20 pound weights and then 25 just doing my arms. And I only made it to 125 in five minutes. That's what I love about hypertrophy training and bodybuilding, especially is, you know, I think for years and years, I was so conditioned to think that the only way to create intensity is to put more weight on the bar or try to go faster. And uh, with hypertrophy, it's just about finding creative ways to get muscles to failure. And some days it can be something like that, like a lightweight, where we say, hey, you're going to press this lightweight for five minutes and try to get about 150 reps in. Some days it's like heavy mechanical loading. Some days it's tempos. Some days it's drop sets or supersets. But it's really nice to not have that pressure, the same kind of pressure you might feel like when you put your name on the whiteboard. To just be like, you know, it doesn't matter how heavy it is. The only thing that matters is getting your muscles to that state of failure and then getting maybe a few forced reps in consistently to help yourself grow. That's that's really the sweet spot when it comes to, to you know, getting muscles into that state where they can bulk and thicken and get, you know, larger cross-sectional strength. What is hypertrophy? Hypertrophy describes one way that the body adapts to stress. And, you know, it, it can be as a result of hormonal stimulation, inflammation, or an increased workload. But when a cell increases in size beyond its normal size, it's gone through hypertrophy. Now, there's lots of different types of hypertrophy, right? There's favorable kinds like we're talking about, which is hypertrophy of the skeletal muscle, like the striated muscle on the body, the muscle that provides action of bone. But there's also, you know, hypertrophy you don't want, like, hypertrophy of your heart, right? Hypertrophy of your internal organs. So uh, for the sake of what we're talking about, we're talking about the bulking and thickening of, of, of muscle cells as, a, as an adaptation process with regard to the types of stress you're putting on that muscle. So it's cells growing in size, not the sheer number of cells growing? So you can actually have both, but one is less common. So the bulking and thickening of fibers, the way this actually works within the muscle cell is you can think of your muscle cells as these different uh, long strands of protein. They're myosin and active proteins, and they actually hook onto each other just like a piece of Velcro and pull on each other to shorten. Well, around each muscle cell is an outer membrane called the sarcolemma. So when you create muscle damage from training, you get these little micro tears in that outer membrane, which heal and rebottle and grow back thicker in addition to those individual contractile components of those myosin and active proteins those bonds they get damaged and when they grow and, and heal they grow back thicker and more numerous meaning now your muscle has a an ability to contract at a, at a higher force because it has that cross-sectional strength and the ability to not just connect more myosin and active bonds but for those bonds to actually be stronger because now they, the, the, those, they, they call the myofilaments, have actually thickened up. So, yeah, I mean, listen, from a simple standpoint, it looks like getting bigger. But at the muscle cell level, there's some really interesting things that are happening. And what's even more exciting 
is the specific types of principles you can implement into your training to target that type of adaptation, to specifically target muscle growth. So it's adaptation. Yeah, and you know, like, you know, some things work better than others, to be honest with you. You know, you get an untrained athlete, they could do anything. They could lift soup cans or do, you know, uh, those bands with the handles and probably see some muscle hypertrophy because they're putting stress on those cells in a way that they're probably unaccustomed to. But for someone who's a little bit trained, it becomes clear that, you know, doing cardio doesn't build muscle and it really gets a little bit narrower and specific in the scope, not just what you're doing, but how you're doing it. That's going to dictate the rate of your results. What was the term you've used? You've used it like three times. Is it uh, cross-sectional strength? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah cross-sectional strength of muscles. Basically, if you were to kind of cut that muscle right down the middle, you would look at its density and its volume and its ability to handle force. So the bigger, the thicker the muscle, the more cross-sectional strength it has. Just like think about like a rope, right? You got a thin piece of twine, and now you got a big, thick rope. The thick rope is going to have much more tensile strength. Yeah. Um, when when I in 2010, I think it was when I would, went and filmed Rich, and and, and I bring this up because of the, um, I watched your podcast with Jason Kalipa, and you were talking about using these movements to even make better CrossFitters, and you know Rich did a lot of like bodybuilding movements back then still with his CrossFit, so I would see him do like two or three CrossFit workouts, and then I would see him do sit ups, slow crunches with a hundred pound dumbbell on his stomach or in his hands, or I'd see him do curls, or I would see him like do the traditional bodybuilding. Um, movements and yeah go ahead well i was gonna say like honestly functional movements are the best bodybuilding movements it's just how you're doing them that's going to dictate how much you're it's going to garner hypertrophy right so like you know all of the slow lifts we do bench squat deadlifts variation of and then even all of the pieces of movements like you were mentioning the, the bicep curl the tricep extension the leg extension the hamstring curl All of these movements have the ability to put force on muscle in a way that allows for time under tension, that allows for some decent heavy mechanical loading so that muscles can actually respond to that stress and grow. I mean, not just the muscles, also the tendons, the bones, all that stuff gets thicker and denser to to handle that kind of heavy, heavy stress, just muscle pulling on bone. But, um, you know, it's not necessarily the bicep curl that makes it bodybuilding. It, what, what makes it bodybuilding is the sets, the reps, and how you're doing it. Because, uh, you know, if we take, like, say, something like, uh, I don't know, a, a deadlift, right? I can sit there, and I can deadlift 135 pounds as fast as I can and move around and bounce the bar off the ground. But it's not really doing much for me in terms of muscle growth. You know, I take that same movement, and now I say, okay, I'm going to incorporate some tempos or some pauses or I'm just going to move slower and more intentionally so I can put my finger right on that muscle group that I'm trying to trying to get into, now it becomes extremely potent. So in some ways, momentum is the enemy of hypertrophy, and it's not just the movement selection, but more so how you're performing the movement that's going to determine how much that muscle is going to be able to grow. Do you think all the champions um, know that? Do you think all the people at the top, do you think Tia, Matt, Rich, they all do? And sorry if I'm screwing up my understanding of this, but slow reps, lighter and slower reps as part of well, their regiment? I think if they were anything like me, they probably know very little about it. Uh, because this is nuanced stuff specific to bodybuilding and hypertrophy science. It has 
less to do with how many kipping pull-ups you're going to be able to do or how fast your mile time is and much more to do with just understanding the physiology of muscle growth. So in a lot of ways, it's not really the CrossFitter's forte. You know, you can say you're doing bodybuilding, like, you know, copy whatever Dorian Yates was doing back in the 1990s, but having an understanding of it is really important because you want to know not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it so that you can more accurately hit the training. Um, so I think there's, there's, you know, there's huge opportunity in CrossFit for people to learn a lot more about this because I believe that hypertrophy is really the foundation of everything. You know, you have to have the, the physiology, you have to have the biological adaptations, uh, you know, so, so now all you got to do is kind of train that wiring well to be able to express it as best you can. But most people are not limited by their ability to move efficiently. I think CrossFitters are like really good at cheating. Uh, most people are limited just by the size of their physical body and their contractile potential. Um, and I think that makes sense that Rich and Tia would do more of that stuff because of the app, the volume that they put on their bodies. They need to fortify those joints. And uh, I think hypertrophy is really rehabilitative to the body when you're actually building the body up. Um, and there are so many other things that go into it too, right? Like your training volume, your nutrition, your internal chemistry. I mean, there's, there's so many layers to this. The community that knows the most about it is the bodybuilding community. But I think as uh, CrossFitters, people are learning more and more because they're starting to understand the utility and the context, even beyond performance of just being able to say like, hey, I'm, I'm proud to be able to wear the work on my body that I do in the gym and I'm happy with the way that I look. Um, does this fit in this category? So you have, let's say you have uh, 50 kipping pull-ups and you have 22 strict pull-ups, right? And so one of the things you add to your training is um, uh, a very uh, sl- three reps of a very slow and controlled 10-pound weighted pull-up. Is, is that, does that fit in that? Uh, yes and no. I mean, listen, you could put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. And when you start to mix these things together, when you try to turn the conditioning into bodybuilding, or when you try to turn the bodybuilding into conditioning, you usually end up bastardizing both. So I'm more of a fan of completely separating the hypertrophy training and having that be whatever, 50, 60, 75% of your training of just specific reps and sets and tempos, and then letting the conditioning just be the conditioning, as opposed to trying to make the conditioning hypertrophy, because you're just all you're doing is just sacrificing your your ability to condition well and not getting some really hypertrophy training in. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel you. What percentage yeah. of your training is CrossFit now? Uh, it depends on the phase of the year. You know, if we're if we're getting ready for a show and show prep. There'll be a lot more. There'll be about once a day. You'll have some high-intensity conditioning. Wow. If, if it's an off-season where you're trying to put on muscle mass, you might condition two, three times a week, but for shorter durations. At the end of my prep, I was doing two hours a day of conditioning and two hours a day of lifting. So it's a lot of training. And that's not a major caloric deficit, you know, like 1,700 calories, uh, just to be able to get really, really crazy, crazy lean. Um, but that's not where I would live. I think for most people, I think for most people, the formula is the amount of time that you're spending, you know, and the time that's required to build muscle. If you're training five days a week, usually about 75% of that training time should be hypertrophy training, bodybuilding type of work. And about 25% should be conditioning. 
um, because that's where people have the most room to grow. And they're still getting a lot of the same benefits that they would get from the conditioning in the lifting, like increasing their, you know, uh, lifting with a higher heart rate, um, you know, burning through body fat. But the bang for your buck there is probably the greatest in terms of training effects. I think that's where I'm headed. Yeah. I mean, I mean I listen. Think, I think get I'm to headed certain, to like, can, go ahead, go ahead. You get to a certain age where you're like, hey, I'm not trying to be the fittest man on earth. I just want to look really good naked and not be hurt and be able to do stuff outside the gym. Yeah, I'd like um, I'd like to be able to pick up my kids and run um, a half a mile, like yeah, I mean, away from yeah. away from the burning building. You know what I mean? And then other than that, like really, I just want to be like not hurt. Exactly, and and I think that's great because like this is a way like one of the things I I really love about training is I love the functional movements. They're really fun and athletic, um, but the idea of doing like a a, a one rep max back squat or deadlift or even like a five rep max back squat. It, it's so, it feels so dangerous to me given my situation, you know, having been through back injuries and back surgeries and broken myself down a lot. Whereas if I take that same idea and I'm like, Hey, you know, maybe instead of doing a 90% of my one rep max or better, maybe I'm going to take this down to 60 and move it with control until my mechanics start to fail. Not only am I able to train pain free, but you see this huge uh, catalyst for muscle growth, which is really what I'm after is like, I want to, I want to wear that work on my body. I want to walk into a room and have people know that, you know, I train a lot. Um, do you still barbell snatch ever? No, not really. Those are one of those movements that for me, anything with like very ballistic uh, kind of movement uh, is just not a good idea for me with what I got going on in my back. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, my back is very healthy right now. It's, I've been pain-free for years, but the reason I have been pain-free is because I've avoided those things like, you know, jar, like going on a fucking roller coaster ride with a barbell. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent. Would you, would you get on a trampoline? Do you jump on trampolines? Would you do that to play with your kids or no, you won't even fuck with that. I would do it, but I might do it gently. Like when we go to the theme park, like I avoid the tower of terror, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and, and, it's, and part of me like really wants to do it, but then I remember what it's like to, you know, not be able to tie your shoes for two weeks. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think that's the hard thing is, is as a coach too, like, I, I think I give people some really good advice, especially when it comes to injury or performance. And sometimes I find it hard for me to take my own advice, you know, because I would just be like, okay, well just don't back squat and deadlift really heavy and avoid those things that, you know, are triggers for your back. But it's easier said than done because, you know, that carrot's right in front of your nose and it's just, you know, you just, you do one good lift and you're like, yeah, I think I can do this today. And then all of a sudden it's that one rep where you're like, ah, shit, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, a after I had my first kid, or after my wife had, had our first kid, um, there was a time I hurt my back so bad um, and it was doing something like snatches or deadlifting that I basically had to crawl into the shower to pee. Yeah, like that, and, and, and I was like that for three days. And I decided after that, I would never let that happen again. And it was, you're right. I, I basically cut all anything I lifted by fit by 50%. I just cut everything in half. Like, okay, I'm not doing any of that shit ever again. And I, and I, yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's hard not to get peer pressured in the gym, you know, because especially in a CrossFit gym where intensity is celebrated so much that, you know, you get a circle of people, you know, around you that are, 
stomping their hands and saying, go, go, go. And you're trying to lift this bar with this big rounded back. And, you know, it's, it's, you're just asking for trouble. And unfortunately that's a really common story uh, with, with back injuries is, uh, you know, I think um, I, I look back at my training career and I wish I would have just pulled back like 10% on some of those heavy lifts, just like 10% less. And maybe I could have trained like that for a lot longer, but um it's just hard because hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. But you're still loving training, obviously. Oh, it's, it's, this has been so huge for me. It's like finding a a whole new passion here, like taking what I've learned from CrossFit and now opening up this box and learning all this new stuff about bodybuilding and nutrition and liking the way that my body looks. And, uh, you know, like at, you know, at, at like 40 years old, I've never looked better. And I'm, I'm really proud of all the work I've put in, but more so I'm, I'm so uh, grateful for all of our athletes that have kind of gone through the same journey as me with, uh, with Thunderbro, my company that, you know, I just kind of share what I'm doing. And we, now we have this huge community of people hybriding performance and aesthetics together. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful. It's, it's a really nice middle ground getting bodybuilders training more functional, getting CrossFitters starting to heal themselves up and get themselves into the aesthetic that they've always wanted. And I'm in the middle just trying to figure out how to do it better. Um, why no E in Thunder, bro? Because it's like Thun Doctor Bro. Ah. Uh, yeah. Take a seat. We got the Thun Doctor Bro shirt on here. Ah. Uh, um, how did yeah. what's the origins of the name? How do you come up with Thunder Bro? You know, it, this this was all kind of happened after I'd had back surgery. And um, before that, I was really down on myself. You know, I kind of had my dick in the dirt. I didn't think I'd be able to train again. I was had doubts about my career, you know, all that stuff, because I really wasn't sure if I'd be able to move. You know, I was losing feeling in my legs and looking at a big back surgery and I'm just like, all the doctors are telling me, well, just don't lift anymore. And I'm like, but I I love lifting. It's my career. It's my passion. It's what I know the most about in the world, you know? So um, I I was really just uh, mentally and emotionally in this weak spot. And then when I had the surgery, I decided I I didn't want to be that person anymore. I wanted to be the person that would come into a room and be a fountain, you know, fill people up around me or, or, or just bring thunder in this very positive way where, you know, you're, you're being the type of man that you want to be. And it helps to do it with your bros because there's nothing better than going in the garage with your buddy, slinging around some iron, having fun, working hard, getting huge. And so that's, that's the beginning of thunder, bro. It's just like, you know, that, that idea, really that mindset and attitude of, of not allowing yourself to be defeated and being, uh, being the fountain, you know, being, being the light and, uh, and the people around that, you know, when you walk into a room, you're there to bring it in, in a positive, maybe slightly aggressive way. Oh, there she goes. No crying. You know, you that you really you really described yourself well there of how I think about you. You really are a fountain of positive energy and a light, and you always have been a very. Um, I think people love being around you. Just lo- absolutely love being around you. It's it's fun. Like it's uh, yeah, it's great. It, you are. It, it's more than a. It's very. You're very uh, youthful. Well, I really appreciate that. I've been lucky to have some wonderful coaches and mentors in my life that I always kind of 
in some ways, maybe try to model my personality uh, when I think about the type of man I want to be. You know, I think about these influential characters in my life that, for whatever reason, just made me feel a certain way, right? And uh, actually, one of them, you know, when I was a little kid, and I'm sure you were the same, like, I loved superheroes, right? Yeah. And WWF wrestling, and I was in the age in the 90s where I would get up every Saturday morning and watch American Gladiators. Do you remember the original American yep. Gladiators? Yep. Well, there was a guy on there that played Nitro, and his name's yep. Dan Clark, Dan Nitro Clark. And uh, we actually became friends. He was at a level one seminar in like 2012 and wow. we started hamming it up and became friends. And, and since then we've stayed in touch and he's done some really like a lot of like legitimate mental skills development work with me uh, working on exactly what I'm talking with you about is, is, you know, trying to be the man that you want to be the man that you would be proud of, you know, looking back at your life, not a childish version of yourself, or a vain version, or just that version that, you know, you were just a little bit weak for whatever reason, but being a good stand-up man where, you know, you can, uh, you can look back on the day and know that it counted for something, that you impacted people, and that you could be, you know, proud of your effort and lay your head to rest knowing that you were the best version of you. Um, Dave, are you Jewish? I am Jewish, yes. <laughs> uh, both your mom and your dad? Well, so yes, my my dad's a rabbi, my sister's a rabbi, my brother's a oh, rabbi. My right. my mother my mother converted uh, from Catholicism. She's from a pretty hardcore Catholic family, so I've had exposure to both. But but you know, I was born and raised Jewish, and you know, full deal that uh, gave bar mitzvah lessons to kids when I was in high school and stuff. And uh, you know, had you had a, you had a bar mitzvah. You did a bar mitzvah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's very important. That's your, you know, it's your yeah. right of passage to becoming a man. It's a, it's a big moment. Um, yeah, that was, you know, and, and and it's funny now because you know the book of Jewish sports heroes is really like a pamphlet. It's not very big. So, um, so when I go back home or go to synagogue, you know, everyone, uh, everyone thinks of me as like you know the the athlete at the temple. Uh, but the, the truth is, there's just not a lot of Jewish athletes. Um, and, and is Lipson a Jewish name? Yes, yeah, it is. Um, a lot of these names uh, were you like changed sometimes from when they came over and whatever from Eastern Europe. My family came from Russia uh, in the early 1900s. But um, yeah, like uh, Lipson is a Jewish name. There's a lot of different kind of variations of what they think the original name could be but um yeah no it, it is i remember that because i remember when i would hang with you when i hung with you uh in tahoe you mentioned um sandy colfax yes yeah is he jewish great, yeah he was yeah he's a yeah. him and hank greenberg you know a jewish hall of famers he was probably the greatest pitcher of all time too so we'll take it we'll take that one for sure and sandy i think you told me he was this uh is there an award in baseball called the cy young yeah, there's this, the Cy Young Award is given to the best pitcher in Major League Baseball each year in the American and National League. And he won that. Oh, yeah. No, not even that. I mean, he was just like incredibly dominant. And what was weird about him was like he was like unhittable for a short period of time. He had a pretty short career. Uh, he retired when he was still in his in his like mid 30s. Um because he was ha starting to have elbow problems, but in there was like a stretch of like six years where he was just like untouchable, dominant, most 
dominant pitcher in the big leagues. Um, you know, he's like one of those legendary tales. It's almost good that he retired so early because, you know, he finished at the top of his game. Um, I, I went to uh, my wife's uh, family's uh, house. Um, we, well, we had one of our kids, 23 and Mead, under a fake yep. name, of course. Um, and uh, we, we had to do it for something. And uh, he was, uh, he's 51% Ashkenazi. That's my wife's side. And he's 49% yep. um, Armenian. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there, there are two different types of lineages of uh, Jewish tribes. One is called Ashkenazi. Another one is called Sephardic. And yeah. they're, they're really from different regions of the Middle East. I think one is closer to um, one is closer to Africa and another one might be closer to like Spain, Italy, more, more European. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I, I believe it is the, Ashkenazi that have like a darker skin or from like Morocco, Africa kind of area. I think they're the more inbred one. Like, I think yeah. like you got like, well, like we didn't do it, but you're supposed to get like, we, we, she was supposed to get a bunch of tests to make sure he didn't come out all weird. Yeah. There, there are some diseases, you know, that are, are they actually have drawn back to, uh, you know, Jewish tribes that are, are genetic diseases, but uh, hopefully nobody has to deal with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Um, but uh, what I th- so this was leading to me. So so over Thanksgiving we went and saw her family, and I always have to remember that you can't hug the women on her side of the family, like not her mom and her sister, but like the the ones from New York, the Orthodox Jews. You can't hug yeah. the women. Do you Dude, have any of those in your family? You're not allowed to hug them, and they. Well, well. So there are so many different. I would call them levels, but there are different sects of Judaism, just like there are different types of Christianity. Right. I mean, you got like you, you got Mormons, you've got uh, New Age Christians, Catholics, Baptists, uh, Episcopalian. Right. Well, it's the same thing with Judaism, where you have like uh, ultra Orthodox Jews, which are very like right wing, old school, live by the Torah, you know, dress in the in the in the jackets and the robes, and the hats and separate the men from the women. That's yeah, probably yeah, the most. Yeah, they hang a sheet up at parties and shit, where the women are on one side and the dudes are on the other. Exactly. Then there are Orthodox Jews, which are a little more conservative, but still observe a lot of the same rules, like the separating men from women or how you're dressed or you know the who, touching that kind of stuff. And then there's like Reform and conservative Jews, which probably represent the majority of Jews in America. Which it's nothing like that. There's no, you know. There aren't any kind of like strict rules. That's more of a orthodox, ultra orthodox thing. But those communities are very, very tight. So you see neighborhoods in like uh, New York that are exclusively Jewish neighborhoods because there are you know ultra orthodox Jews that they, they all stay together on the same block. Uh, you know, it's fascinating too about the, they have like six or seven kids, and the reason why I, I I really cannot stand going to L.A. But I make the trip and bear down because I love my kids being around those kids. They're like at least this particular Orthodox family. The kids are so wholesome, so pure, so like uh, tribal and like loving and like it's so it, you know I I don't know any Amish people, but it's how I kind of imagine Amish people to be. I bet it's a learning experience for both sides because. The Orthodox kids are probably having their minds blown, you know, about yeah. what's commonplace for your kids and vice versa. Your kids are probably enthralled by, you know, why they do some of the things that they do. 
and the, you know, the rules, the structure that they have. Um, why Florida? How did you end up in Florida? And, and do I need to move there? Oh, man. Florida has been great so far. It's been an awesome move. Um, Are you, you know, just barefoot in shorts all day? That's what I imagine. I imagine you just accept the humidity and like you never get dressed. Well, there's no reason for sleeves. I wear shorts most days. The sun's out most days. Um, it's just there's so many reasons why I like Florida right now. But we got here because mostly because of our daughter. You know, she was born very premature. We spent three months in a hospital with her. When we finally got out of the hospital, we realized we really couldn't take her home because we went, lived way up in the mountains, which is like an hour from any kind of emergency services. And it was too high for her. We were having like issues breathing. So we knew at that point we're probably have to move out of Colorado. Um, and, uh, you know, Cammy wanted to move to Hawaii because we had a hell of a year. But we ended up kind of looking at states that made more sense for us maybe to be closer to family or to make more sense for our business. So we were, we were looking at like Florida and Texas and even going back home to Connecticut and Florida seemed like the best one. It's, it's great. Our families are down here. Um, you know, uh, there's no state income tax. The state is wonderful. The people are great. And we really like our life and our lifestyle. We have this really awesome house. That we Uh-oh. Dave Lipson is taking a break. He's using the restroom now. He will be back in 10 seconds. There he is. Yeah. He just took a bathroom break and now he's back refreshed. We're back. Uh, So so what what city in Florida? Uh, So it's, it's a town called Indian rocks beach. And um, Indian rocks beach. Is that on the beach? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's right there. It's basically like if you go to Tampa and you go straight to the water from Tampa, that's, that's where we are. Um, Dave, this is the biggest amount of money anyone's ever given the show. What Can is this? That? Yeah. On August 11, 2011, at University of California, San Diego, Dave Lipson was one of my level one instructors. And oh, his wow. passion for overall health and CrossFit methodology he was teaching was inspiring. I really enjoy seeing his journey now with bodybuilding. Cheers and all the best. Hey, this uh, I, uh, Olson, this guy is contagious. I, I totally know what you mean. He is like... Um, He's like cranberry juice or mustard. If you get close to it, you're getting some on you and it's going to oh, get on yeah. you and it's going to leave a mark on you. Well, it's, it's such an honor to hear that. You know, sometimes I forget how many seminars, how many athletes and trainers that we've had the honor of just working with. It's not really typical, you know, as a trainer to have taught tens of thousands of people, you know? So uh, in that regard, it's it's been uh, it's been quite a unique experience, just knowing as many different trainers and athletes uh, that we got the opportunity to to meet and educate a little bit. Oh, you're on the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's got white sand beaches. Um, okay, you're on that it, side of Florida. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're I, by Clearwater. That's where the um. That's where the uh, the guys are. The Scientologists have their mothership there, right? Uh, yeah, they do. I have a bunch of friends who are Scientologists. Trip on that. Oh, really? I, I, I didn't even know for a couple of years. Are you a Scientologist? Wait a second. You're talking about CrossFit or Scientology? 
Uh, both. I have a bunch of friends who are CrossFitting Scientologists, but it's weird as I didn't know they were Scientologists for years. It's a pretty big group of them. I was going to ask you what the difference was. Oh, good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Very good point. And well, they talk what they never talk about Scientology, which is, yeah. which is they're pretty. Um, are you a Scientologist? No, no. no. I mean, uh, listen, I, I think I think religion's really interesting, but uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> And how did you find this place, Indian Rock? You know, it was crazy. Uh, I don't know if during quarantine you went through the same stuff, but I got the Zillow app. You ever been on that app before? I use Trulia, but I love okay. it. I love it's like, it. It's like it's real estate. It's like real estate porn. Yes, it's so good. I look every uh, day. And and you're like, oh, honey, look, this one's got a tennis court we could turn into a gym. You know? Yes. Yes. Um, so anyways, I was just looking around Florida. You didn't know what city I wanted to live in or what would be good for us. I had a couple ideas, um, but I just happened to see this one like by the water that it, I clicked on it. It looked insane. I was like, wow, this house looks amazing. And we weren't down there. So I sent my dad over to take a look at it. I go, what do you think? And he goes, you should put an offer on it. So we ended up buying our house without even ever seeing it. Wow. Uh, in person at least, but it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's great. We love it. Um, and it was, it, it's so funny because one of my best friends and my training partner who, um, was actually up in Boston, he ended up moving down to Florida to the same town right around the corner from me. Uh, so it was, uh, it was serendipitous. Hey, is that, is that characteristic of both? Uh-oh. Is that characteristic of both you and Cammy to do something spontaneous like that? Like, do you guys fight over that? Like, are you like, she's like, put an offer on it. And you're like, no way. Or vice versa. Or was it, how does that work? It's a pretty big, uh, spontaneous move. If you heard any of that. Uh, I, I'm losing I, you, I heard, I heard it all, dude. Okay. Um, I, can, I, can you hear me now? Yeah. How's it getting now? All right. Good. So I think for Cam and I, like we're both creatures of habit. Like we like a process and in some ways we're very boring because we just like to do what we do. But having said that, any opportunity we get to like go on an adventure or try something different, we're both, you know, we're, we're both game to strap it on and do whatever. So I think we both have kind of that adventurous outlook on life where, you know, we don't, we, re, we really don't stay in places more than five years, you know, we're usually moving every five years, uh, just cause we like to, we like to change it up. That being said, do you think you're home? I don't know. I mean, I thought our last home was home and it ended up not being, I mean, I, I think it's home right now for sure. Um, and we're going to really enjoy it and, you know, get the most out of it. But I, I couldn't really say, you know, uh, just, we just try to stay present uh, and, and, and make the day count. Why are you going down to, um, if you're in Florida, why go down to uh, Key West uh, for a holiday? Why not just stay at your house? So, you know, it's a little bit, one, it's a little bit more tropical. So it's more like the Caribbean with the beaches and the environment down there. It's about eight hours away from us. Uh, two, you know, we want to get out of the house, so we want to have some kind of vacation. So we just got a resort for the week down there, just to be in a hotel and 
have somebody clean up after us, you know? Yeah, I totally get it. You'll stay in a hotel, not a VRBO? No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to try to, like, do it fancy. We never do it fancy, and we're going to try to do it fancy this time. I like hotel. I know a lot of people like VRBO. I like hotel. Um, I like hotel because someone changes my sheets and I can order room service, and I, I just like hotel. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like having freshly folded sheets. Yeah, and just like a clean room. Have you been? Have you been yeah. to Key West before? Uh, I've been here once, and it's an interesting town. Yes. People told me it's kind of like, kind of like a cougar, cougar city. Yeah, it's a trip. It's definitely a trip. Yeah. Big and we gay got, scene you know, there. Big gay scene there. Yeah. You're gonna be, you're gonna be quite I, the piece of ass there. I hope so. You know, it, it, it's funny as I get older, I just, uh, I appreciate any support I can get. <laughs> the the it was a uh, the only time anyone's ever honked at me was I was in San Francisco and it was after a rave. And it was like probably like seven in the morning and me and all my homies were hanging out on some front porch by Golden Gate Park at some dude's house, you know, probably popping Vicod and trying to come down off of ecstasy. And we all had our shirts off and I walked around the corner like to go to the liquor store or something and someone honked at me and it was like a car full of old dudes. And I was like, I'll take it. What if, Fucking you know, take it. I'll take isn't it. it. I mean, isn't I, I, it? I felt good. I was like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm not even joking. I was like, all right, someone finally someone honked at me. Isn't it crazy just the cultural shift on gender identity that we've seen in our lifetime? It, it, to me, it's just nuts. Like, full circle from the 80s, from, like, you know, bad guy, high school villains, just, like, being straight up terrible. And now it's just, like, it, it's, 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 pretty, uh, it's pretty incredible what, what we've seen just in, in the time since I was in high school and how all these alternative lifestyles and gender identities are now like it, it flipped it on its head. You know, it, it, it turned it from a, a weakness into a strength. What do you mean? Give me an example. I'm sorry. What? You have money for this. Sorry. So I'll give me one second. Cash. <laughs> Just paying Bitcoin, Dave, paying Bitcoin. Okay. Um, are you playing with Bitcoin? Oh yeah. Yeah. Give me an example of what you mean by that. Um, gosh. Yeah, All let right. Me, let me ask you ahead. a question. When did you graduate high school? 1990. And what was the popular high school movie back then? <sighs> Boy, I can't even, uh, someone help me out. I can't even remember. Was it like movies? was it like Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, that was even okay. a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably Fast so, Times. Yes, so, yes. Good call. So, so go back and watch your old high school movies. Yes, and and look at how anyone with an alternative lifestyle is portrayed in those movies versus uh, versus now. That's what I'm talking about. There's so much stuff in this, and it's not just on that end. It's also on like. Um, you know, male misogyny too, right? I mean, there's things that they were in those movies that you could never get away with now, you know, right. because it's just such a different time. God, I really liked Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That was Speaking a great of, movie. I really liked that music when the girl gets out of the pool and what's his name? Judd Nelson's jacking off in the bathroom. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's like even that stuff, like you could never get away with that now. Oh my God. What a, that scene is just amazing. We were, we were watching American Pie 
And we were just saying, like, the way the women were tr- kind of portrayed and treated in those movies, those high school movies, I'm like, oh, my God, there would be, like, social uproar if that happened today. There was another movie called Porky's. I think I was, like, in yep. junior high when that came out, and I, was, I wasn't allowed to see it, but the other kids would talk about it at school, and I remember just fucking losing my mind. Like, I had to see it, but I never got to see it. I don't even know if I ever it's, did see it. It's good, man. You know, evolution is good. You know, changing, changing is good. People should be changing. If you're not changing, you're dying. Hey, do you think that, um, do you think that, uh, um, having your shirt off all the time is a good kind of, um, pressure to manage your diet? Like, like if you knew you were going to have your shirt off, would you be more strict with your diet? Yeah, like when I go places, like if I'm on, um, like when I've gone to Hawaii, yep. I, I, I'm always a little bit hungry because I, I, I don't want to stuff myself and feel uncomfortable because I always want to have my shirt off, right? Yeah, like always know, when I go to the, and I, and I kind I, of appreciate that pure, uh, I appreciate that peer, peer pressure, peer pressure that I put yeah, on myself. Not I even real that, peer pressure. I appreciate the self-consciousness that helps me manage my diet. Maybe it's a pathology. I don't know. I think that depends more on the person. I can tell you down here in Florida, there are a lot of people with their shirts off that do not give a shit what they look like. Um, <laughs> they got uh, French but, fries in one hand and ice yeah, cream in the other. Exactly. Candy um, on the but, way. But that is a real thing because I'll tell you, like, uh, for our athletes we have that are saying, like, going to do their first bodybuilding show, uh, that knowing that they're going to be on that stage you know, basically naked, uh, you know, in front of a bunch of strangers with a panel of judges looking to pick them apart. There's nothing that creates the same kind of like level of compliance and dedication and consistency than having that desperation of knowing that, you know, you're going to be exposed and people are going to see all that stuff that you're doing there. There it is. Men's physique. Hey, um, the, the, do they give you those shorts? No. Uh, you know, most people, you got to wear a certain type of board short that's not too short and not too long. Um, I like those because of the color and they're nice and tight on my legs. But nice. most most people, yeah, most people are just using like regular kind of like Hurley style board shorts. Um, how about, or look, can you wear those every day or are those too tight around the cock and balls? Um, you know, what's funny is like those shorts, the waist is loose, but the legs are too tight. So it gets really tight right around that area. Uh, and the glutes too, you know, like my legs are too big for those shorts, but when you're doing, you know, you're getting ready for a show, you're trying to get your waist as slim as you can. Men's physique. I haven't seen those photos, dude. What's your, um, what's your max weighted pull up, uh, Dave? I don't know. I've done uh, body weight before, you know, like your body weight on top of your body weight. Wow. Holy shit. Holy shit. Um, are, do, 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 do you do pull-ups every day? Uh, no. See, that's the thing is like with uh, hypertrophy training, you need to work on a split that allows the body part to recover. So like you can't do legs every day. You can't do chest every day. You can't do pull-ups every day. Because you're never going to give that muscle time to actually grow. Okay. Got it. Got it. I was at a hotel um, recently, 
And I um, did Skull Crushers for the first time in fuck. Skull Crushers is the one where you lie on the bench, right? And you hold the weight behind your arms and you pull it to your chest. The dog. Uh, that's, a, that's a pullover. Uh, oh, pullover. For, the, for the lat. Yeah. It, unless you're bending your elbows and, you know, bending and sending your elbows is a skull crusher. But pulling the weight over your head is, is a pullover. Whatever it was, my my triceps were on fire, and for the next right. three days, my triceps were sore. And I was so, I, like, it makes me want to buy a bench now for my house. Like, I so missed that kind of training. I just loved how, and my sleeves got a little tight around my arms, and I just, oh, yeah. I just really liked it. There's nothing more gratifying than watching your body grow. You know, like it, you know, seeing the the shirts fitting tighter, the arms getting bigger. Uh, the waist getting slimmer, like that's the kind of stuff that you can see in the mirror. I think people underestimate how powerful that is. It creates a lot of momentum that gets you charged up to go back in the gym and get excited about training. Um, you have a program, it's called 90 Days to Getting Huge. Is that the name of it? I mean, I got lots of programs. That's our kind of beginner entry level program. It's for people who are new to hypertrophy. It's for people coming off of injury. Uh, I used it coming off of back surgery. It's all really lightweight, but with lots of tempos and volume. Our most popular hypertrophy program is Muscle Anarchy. And it's really cool. It's all these advanced bodybuilding concepts overlapped on top of dysfunctional movements with minimal equipment, just barbells and dumbbells. And uh, like we were talking about, 75% of the program is hypertrophy training and the other 25% is conditioning. And then you see we do these challenges that include nutrition. So we have our 30-day our shred challenge, which is a fat loss challenge. We have our muscle mania challenge, which is a muscle gain challenge. And those are, they use that same kind of method that we do in muscle anarchy, but we do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and weekly nutrition check-ins to keep people progressing in the right direction. Um, is this Jason Ackerman in this picture I just saw? Uh, I don't think so. On on the far right, that wasn't him. No. Where is that? <laughs> Where was that picture? I just saw a picture of him. Uh, you're looking at that's JP on the left. Go down to the bottom, Savon. Okay. And now you can look at JP's before and after. Keep scrolling down. See that one on the far left? This guy, the guy that with the mustache. That's JP. Yeah, you know JP. He works on staff. Yeah, uh, crazy. He's from San Diego. He did our shred program. And you can see, you know, the shred program is great for putting on muscle and losing body fat. All these people down here are, are 30 shred athletes. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, we do big things with the physical transformation. We really got it dialed in. I think one of the things we do especially well is we make it very comprehensive where the training is really the least of it. It's really about the lifestyle, the nutrition, the supplements, the discipline. Like, that's that's a ticket because, you know, you got 23 hours outside to get them to fuck it up, right? So we try to limit the ability uh, for the athlete to deviate and give them the lowest, uh, lowest barrier to success. 
Uh, in this picture, you're holding an eggplant. I can't remember the um, last time I've ever seen a photo of someone holding an eggplant. Um, in my last year at CrossFit, I stopped using the eggplant emoji. I used to love that emoji, like just like the big dick emoji. Like, yes. And I stopped using it because I was scared. And after I got fired, I've really incorporated. I tried to use the eggplant at least once a day uh, in a text to someone as kind of like a fuck you, I'm free. So I really appreciate this. Um, I, think, I can't tell I think, if that's a small eggplant or you have huge hands. I think that's what they were going for in that photo shoot. Yeah, it's really uh, – I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Oh, and uh, check this out. Go to uh, – go up to library. Okay. Okay, so there's a new book we just put out. Scroll down a little bit. It is called The Hypertrophy Finish. These are all books that I've written on different stuff. Okay, click on that Hypertrophy Finisher's Bible book. Now, that's the seminar. You got to click on the book. Right in the middle. Oh, the Bible. The Finisher's Bible? Yeah, you're asking about Judaism. Don't you want the Bible? Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. Yeah, so this uh, this is my newest book. It's awesome. It's got 125 killer hypertrophy finisher workouts. These are just like 10 to 15-minute little workout pieces that demolish muscle and it's categorized all by muscle group and movement function. So if you want to find some chest day finishers or some leg day finishers, there's some killer, killer workouts in there and they're all just organized. It's like, it's the best of my muscle anarchy programming, but it's all kind of organized into a hard copy for people to just reference. And there it is. It's awful. I think people are going to love it. (laughs) Hey, um, um, I noticed that the ebook's not available, and it's only available in um, in a hand copy. Why is that? No, I prefer it, a hand it, copy. I never buy an ebook. Uh, it's because you get the ebook with the hard copy. They come together. Ah, yeah. You ah. get the two. You get the two for one. I love this. Uh, how the buy now, bro, button shakes. Yeah, gotta buy it now. Look, I got two copies. Um, awesome. I got a question for you. I don't know. And, and I don't mean to ambush you with this, with this question, but fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. Let's talk about raw eggs. Okay. Should you eat your egg raw or should you cook it? And what's the difference? Uh, for, most, for most people, probably not. Most people have allergies to eggs, specifically the egg white. Uh, it creates an inflammatory response in a majority of people and not cooking them only enhances that response. Like if you get the runs, you know, if you eat a bunch of raw egg whites and then have to go take a shit, that's a good sign that you are allergic to egg whites. And most people would have that reaction just drinking raw egg whites. So, you know, the purists would argue maybe you get more nutrients if it's not cooked. But the God's honest truth is you get a lot less nutrients if you have diarrhea. Um, Do you eat raw eggs yourself? I eat eggs. I eat tons of eggs, but I cook them. Steak and eggs all day. Steak, eggs, spinach. Uh, you know, all this stuff that helps your muscles grow. Um, how about any of the raw, how about any of the raw meat shit? Are you, are you fucking around with any of that? No way. No way. I think you're much more likely to pick up some kind of pathology from a tapeworm or a parasite or 
have a bad reaction. Uh, and the most important thing is that you're taking care of your gut. So uh, you don't you don't mess around with raw food for a reason. There's a reason why people cook food. Right. How about raw milk? No, definitely not. And my friend Tim gave himself type one diabetes eating raw milk. Oh, serious? Yeah. Because, you know, with type 1, there's always a trigger. So he decided he was going to do a raw milk diet, got crazy sick, and then the next thing he knew, he had type 1 diabetes. After two weeks of being ill from drinking that raw milk, that was the trigger that triggered that autoimmune response that started shutting down his pancreas. Or, yeah. yeah, wait, and, and that's not that's a done deal. He's got that now for the rest of his life? I mean, usually these people are destined to have it. It's just a matter of when and what, what's going to trigger it. And so, yeah, he's got it for the rest of his life. Holy cow. So, yeah, that pretty much settles my raw milk debate. Uh, Vincent Paul uh, Palmero, best guest ever. Sevon, I think he means Sevon. He says seven. You're amazing. And, David, you're inspirational. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, the, what about the carnivore diet in general? I think any diet that's extreme is going to be hard to maintain. You know, all these things have context and be good for a period of time. But for most people, they're going to find the most success with balance and consistency. And anything that's all meat or all vegetable or one meal a day, that's, it, you know, it, it'll work for a while. And then usually end up with issues, maybe with the carnivore diet, maybe it's too much stress on the kidneys. Maybe it's too much stress on the thyroid. Um, you know, with the vegan diet, maybe you start getting anemic because you don't have enough of a full panel of branch chain amino acids. I don't know. But in general, I think I see most athletes doing better with balance and consistency. And, and is there a diet you subscribe to like a, a one word diet? Like, I mean, on, honestly, it's, it's just kind of figuring out your macronutrient prescription for your goals at the moment. I think I have three different types of diets. I usually follow one is for maintaining one is for gaining and one is for cutting. And the only thing that changes is the food types are generally the same. Because I eat the foods that like me, not the foods that I like. So I'm always eating these things to, you know, optimize gut function hormones. But the way I am positioning protein, carbs, and fat can change based on the specific goal within that phase. And what are the go-to foods, Dave? I mean, listen, you're, you're never going to go wrong with good meat and vegetables, right? But uh, specifically, I do a lot of steak and eggs, salmon, uh, spinach, peppers, carrots. Really, um, if you guys are familiar with uh, Stan Epic's vertical diet, the food ingredients from that vertical diet are outstanding for just optimizing, you know, your, your own internal chemistry. And then you can position that, those food types however you want to fit whatever macros you're following. So, uh, if you what was the name of the diet? Tell me the called, name of it again. It's called the vertical diet. And, uh, it's, it's really about eating the right foods. Um, what about avocados? Yep. That's in there. Um, and what about Brussels sprouts? Nope. It's not. And, and too, why not Brussels? Why not Brussels sprouts? Too hard for the gut to digest. Oh, interesting. That's why you get farty after your Brussels sprouts. Oh, interesting. Wow. I mean, so you do, want, you do you fuck with peanut butter? Uh, sometimes, yeah. But I know some people who can't because they maybe they got like a little allergy. But I like, uh, I, I do lots of almond butter, lots of peanut butter, uh, you know, oatmeal with peanut butter and protein powder. That's an easy go-to. Um, you know, there's lots of stuff. But in general, I think 
you want to make sure that most of the food you're putting in is good whole foods and that you're dialing in the quantities to, you know, meet what it is that you're after. Hey, uh, so my baby is Ryan right now a lot, and I got to start driving and let Cam take care of her. So I'm going to cut out now, brother. Uh, you demand. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime, Dave. Anytime, brother. Uh, all right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, um, I have some immediate thoughts. I enjoyed my time with Dave. I, uh, I, I, I see this comment, Craig. Uh, can we say hi to Cammy? I, when she asked for money and I saw his response, I thought it was whatever I picked up from that. I thought it was better that I not, not 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 bug her i was just i was just getting something from the beginning that she wanted nothing to do with it like when he said hey we're driving and he pointed his phone over to cammy i was just uh, i don't know what it is maybe it's just my own insecurity but i was just getting something like hey she doesn't want to be involved in this or or there was something there between them like maybe they had a tough morning i don't know i, I mean i don't, I don't know but i i, I didn't want to like if he, if he if he wanted to include her, that would have been great. Um, I just yesterday I just watched the video with um, Heber and Mars uh, uh, doing a workout with them. It's, it's it's actually it's it's crazy that Heber and Mars were able to take a Zoom call and turn it into a full thirty minute video or whatever it was. I mean, they did an amazing job. And uh, damn, I didn't get to ask him about bands. I wanted to ask him about bands. I really don't like bands, but everyone's using bands. But I just there's a. a uh, a feeling I get from them that just doesn't feel, I just don't like it, the instability of them. But um, maybe that's why I should use them. But but in that video that he makes with Heber and Mars, him and Cammy are almost seem like they're jockeying for camera time. Like she wants some camera time too. And they're kind of like pushing up to the front of the camera. And I didn't get any of that from her today. I don't think she wanted to be on. I did notice she was wearing braids and she looked like she looked fantastic. Yeah. And a crying baby is so fucking stressful. It like, Crying baby, sisters. Even though I didn't even notice the baby's crying, maybe because it's not my baby. Ah, oh, well, that was good. Um, I feel better. I'm glad. I was glad I got to talk to Dave. I didn't want there to be anything weird between us. He's a good dude. You probably see eye to eye, uh, different on a, on a little bit on uh, things. For some reason, I just don't have. I'm just not afraid of things, like getting sick in any way. But I've never eaten a raw egg, so what do I know? But I do drink raw milk. Uh, all in your head. Oh, good, good. Nothing I like better than being stuck in my head. Uh, thank you, Matt. I think that I think some people might take offense to that, but that's good. I, I, I'll take that as a positive comment. Oh, no, not worried, not worried. I just, um, I, I was just reflecting, all of those comments were just reflecting um, on the, uh, that Craig wanted me to, uh, say hi to Cammy and I wanted to say hi to her too, but I thought it was better to, uh, yeah, I think, I think I, I think regardless if I was in my head or whether I'm worried or not worried, I think I assessed it correctly tomorrow. Well, who do we have on tomorrow? Let me look at my phone. Let me look at my phone. Uh, you see your podcast. Oh, Shit, Josh just said our podcast got removed. Okay, I'll fix that. I'll fix it. I will fix that. 
just need to remove uh, Jake Paul part, Jake Paul fight. Damn it. That happened on the new show yesterday, too. Okay, let me tell you what the schedule is like. Um, tomorrow we have Hunter McIntyre. I'm sure we're going to talk about steroids. He's uh, uh, he he has some pretty strong thoughts and opinions and beliefs and uh, facts and ideas around steroids in the community. Um, we'll probably talk about a lot of stuff. He's a w- awesome dude. Um, then on Wednesday we have Doctor Asim Malhorta. He wrote this book, uh, 21 Days to uh, Immunity. I think he is basic. He's the uh, Sanjay Gupta for some of uh, England's big news stations. Um, he is, uh, he did get vaccinated, but uh, he doesn't believe that vaccines should be mandated. It should be a fun discussion with him. Um, then on Thursday, we have Sage uh, Bergener. Uh, that's Mike Bergener's uh, daughter. Um, and on uh, Christmas Eve, the 24th, we're doing a live call-in show. And then we got a bunch of crazy people coming up in the pipeline. Bands have been around for decades. You see the comments about CBS. Yes, Nate, I'll fix that now. Tell Sousa to respond to his email if you guys are still needing apparel help. Okay, thanks, Travis. Uh, Bra, they were driving and too much stuff going on with that. Great show. On with that word. Okay, guys. Uh, Peace and love.